0: Chapter 18 of *The Great White Queen* by William Legu. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Chapter 18: The Mysterious Realm. So unsteady was the ladder, straining and springing at every step I took, that I was compelled to grip its wet cords with all the strength of which I was capable. It swayed to and fro fearfully and more than once I dreaded that I should lose my hold and fall backwards to earth. Omar, above me, live and active as a cat, climbed on, chafing me for my tardy progress, and now and then halting and mischievously shaking the ladder to increase my fear. The higher I ascended, the more strongly blew the wind, until it whistled in the thin ropes and blew through my scanty clothing, chilling my bones. My hands and feet were bruised and sore from the previous day's descent. Nevertheless, I thought not of pain, only of peril. The climb was long and tedious. Even Omar, who had commenced by running up like a squirrel in his eagerness to gain the land from which he had so long been absent, was soon compelled to pause and steady himself, or he would assuredly have been jerked from his insecure position. The ten men plodding up after us seemed to be keeping step, causing the latter to spring fearfully each time they ascended the next rung. Omar himself fearing disaster, at last called to them, but jabbering among themselves in the highest spirits, each eager to set foot in the land of mystery, they took no heed of their guide's instructions. You fools! he cried angrily. Climb slowly and with care. Don't jump so, we're not on a springboard. Useless! We still went up and down like a ball at the end of a piece of elastic. Do you hear? he shrieked in the Dagomba tongue halting and looking down at the string of grinning blacks halt this sudden stoppage attracted their attention and in mid-air he soundly rated them for their folly instructed them how to ascend and declaring that if they continued their hilarious progress a fearful disaster must ensue these words immediately had the desired effect for which i confess i was very thankful as i had feared every moment that we should be dashed into the valley and now as we went forward again the ladder was much steadier from far below we could hear the distant shouts of kona and our excited companions encouraging us and urging us on for they were all impatient to follow us now and then the great grey vultures having gorged themselves to their full upon the corpses in the valley circled around us as if ready to tear us from our perilous position and more than once i saw omar raise his arm to beat them off We were, I suppose, passing near their nest, and thus aroused their ire. Looking up, I saw that we were slowly approaching the beetling portion of the enormous rock, but had yet a long distance to climb. Steadily, however, we all ascended, each grasped the wet slippery cords tightly to prevent being blown off by the high gusty wind, and even when we gained the jutting rock, believing we had attained the summit, we found ourselves still fully two hundred feet from where Babila could be seen peering over awaiting us. The ladder, laying upon the face of the cliff at this point, was much easier of ascent, for the weight of the portion below me prevented it from swaying, and by scrambling up with increased haste I soon found myself immediately behind Omar. Then, continuing steadily, now and then being compelled to bend backwards, in a most perilous position in order to negotiate a projecting piece of rock we together climbed up to the edge of the fearful precipice each being lent a willing hand by babilla as we swarmed upon our knees to where he stood welcome o prince the old man exclaimed salaaming when omar stood before him welcome to thy white friend from beyond the great black water in an instant from a thousand throats rose cries of adulation and looking around I saw that, drawn up before us, was a great concourse of fighting men. Some were mounted on magnificent chargers, others were on foot, and among them were many silken banners, each bearing the same device, a black vampire bat with wings outspread upon a crimson ground. Each soldier was similarly attired to Babila, with white embroidered robe and girdle, and each carried a rifle and a long curved sword. Babila was evidently a great man in the estimation of all others for whatever he did the soldiers imitated in appearance they had the advantage of all colored and most white races as a rule they seemed very tall well set up with well-formed limbs covered with an almost white skin the texture of which would excite envy in the heart of many a european beauty The features had nothing in common with the coarse negro type which prevailed in the forest and over the grasslands, but rather inclined towards a Semitic type. Thick lips were the exception, not the rule, and a broad, flat nose was also a rarity. The only sign of a was in the hair which, when the head was not clean-shaven, was allowed to go straight out in every direction, giving a very wild appearance to its owner. The hair of some, however, seemed to be softer for it hung down to the nape of the neck in long, closely curled ringlets. The women, a few of whom were watching us curiously, were all comely, and, attired in long white robes of a more elaborate pattern than the men, had their hair enclosed in a dark blue fillet, a difference in the disposition of the latter distinguishing between a married and an unmarried woman. A great tent of yellow silk had been erected near, presumably for our accommodation over it waved the hideous-looking vampire bat and as led by babilla with frequent prostrations, we entered it i asked omar the meaning of the sable device it is the royal mark of the sanoms the same as the lion and the unicorn is the crest of your great queen the black vampire is the guardian fetish of our throne on entering omar walked to the raised dais whereon two stools were placed and taking one invited me to the other then while awaiting the arrival of our companions food was brought to us and we ate and drank to our full the villa himself attending to our wants personally neither were our companions forgotten for they were arranged around the tent and squatting upon their haunches ate and jabbered to their hearts content it was highly amusing to watch the interest with which the natives regarded the stolid soldiers of mo who stood in long lines motionless as statues They went up close to them, examined them from head to foot, drew the sword from its sheath, handled it, and tried its edge with a grunt of satisfaction. Then they would replace it, finger the accoutrements, examine carefully what they thought might be gold, and at last folding their arms would stand silent, awe-stricken at the whole effect of the unknown race. The denizens of this mysterious country, however, seemed to regard our natives with supercilious disdain. Probably their contempt had been engendered by the fact that certain tribes had on several occasions attempted an invasion, and they had from their formidable heights simply swept them out of existence as easily as a fly may be crushed with a finger. When looking at the handsome women, the enormous mouths of the dagombas would widen into broad grins which, intended to convey an expression of delight, in reality rendered them hideous. For three hours we remained in the tent, sheltered from the sun's glaring heat while parties of a dozen of our followers continued to arrive it was omar's intention to enter the capital with the whole of our faithful band otherwise he would have started immediately we had gained the summit the babila urged him to do so but he expressed a desire that kona and his heroic blacks should accompany us at last the whole of the party had gained the top of the rock and had refreshed themselves after their toil and peril the rope ladder with its hidden electric wires had been hauled up and headed by men blowing loud blasts upon great horns of ivory and gold we all moved forward a most imposing and magnificent cavalcade both omar and myself had been mounted on fine milk-white horses with gay trappings of silver and royal blue while behind us came kona with a very unsteady seat upon a long raw-boned stallion he was evidently not used to horses and the way he clutched at the mane each time his animal trotted convulsed both his men and the soldiers in the vicinity with laughter. A shady march of two days in a northwesterly direction up the bank of a babbling stream brought us to higher land. The journey was uneventful, the country being devoid of both game and people. We saw old traces of habitation, it is true, but the people seemed to have been driven away or killed, leaving only the empty stone-built houses. From the hill on the side of which we pitched our camp a marvellous view was obtainable. To the north a black forest extended as far as the eye could reach, broken only by three small hills that served as landmarks. To the west rolled some giant snow-capped mountains, while the range whereon we stood was a low stone-covered stretch of round-topped hills flanked by thick mimosa jungle and filled with rhinoceros wherever we went we found traces of them their feeding ground being apparently restricted to a very small area never having been hunted they probably found no reason to leave such excellent pasture and it was little wonder that kona and his men were anxious to remain behind and commit havoc amongst them on the third day we encamped near a most extraordinary place it was a small valley about thirty-five feet below the surrounding ground looking like the dry bed of a stream, and was about a mile in circumference. "'Come, I want to show you Zamara's raft,' Omar said. And dismounting we went together towards it, notwithstanding the loud cries of warning that arose on every side. A dog, a lean, hungry, strange-looking brute, who accompanied the troops, bounded after us, and as we approached the place I noticed a suffocating smell, and was attacked by nausea and giddiness.' a belt of this fetid atmosphere surrounded the valley we however passed through it and in pure air with hands still over my nose and mouth was permitted to view the awful spectacle for it was awful the entire bed of the valley seemed like one solid rock, but scattered over the barren floor were skeletons of men wild hogs deer rhinoceros lions and all kinds of birds and smaller animals I could discover no hole or crevice in any place whence the poisonous fumes were emitted. I was anxious to reach the bottom of the valley if possible, but my suggestion was at once negative by my companion who said, To go further is certain death. Come, let us return quickly, or we may be overpowered. This is one of the natural wonders of our land. I determined, however, to see what the fumes smelled like and greatly to omar's horror started to descend the dog was with me and as soon as he saw me step over the side of the bank he rushed down ahead of me i endeavored to call him back but too late as soon as the animal reached the rocky bed below he fell upon his side he continued to breathe a few moments only then expired End of chapter eighteen recording by tom weiss tom's audiobooks dot com